0: He was a pretty polarizing figure at times during the pandemic. He would say some things that weren't necessarily popular. But did they bear out to be more true than false when all is said and done? We were all doing a lot of <laughs> guessing and feeling around in the dark. We were all probably very right in the heat of the moment sometimes and we're very wrong in the heat of the moment sometimes so where does it all land for dr matt strauss he's been written about a little bit in some of the papers and he was able to write his own response as well in the national post and where does he feel health care is going in our province as well it's an interesting conversation and you can listen to it right now on toronto today dr strauss it's great to have you back on thanks very much for making the time for our audience it's
1: great to be back right
0: um, give me a sense. You're, you're speaking out more now. The, uh, the opinion piece is, uh, is well, it's your opinion and no one could argue that you haven't been opinionated the last three years. What motivates you to speak out and say, Hey, this is what I got right. This is what I wish I'd done differently. This is where I was unfairly criticized. What's, what's motivating you to, to be, be outspoken now?
1: Well, certainly, um, as I had given my three months notice for my resignation, um, which, which I did because, I feel that I've accomplished my mission and the pandemic is over. Um, It's certainly a time of reflection, and I I have, of course, been reflecting. But the reason for this piece is that um, a a certain Toronto Star reporter wrote a a ridiculous hit piece about me um, that I couldn't let stand. So the National Post was very kind to invite me to, uh, I guess, rebut uh, these just inaccurate things that the Toronto Star had to say.
0: Did you think about suing the Toronto Star or the author?
1: Uh, it just crossed my mind. I am not a litigious person. Um, thankfully, I when I contacted the Toronto Star to complain about the things that they got wrong, um, their public editor, who was very kind and gracious and thoughtful and reflective, um, mm. uh, dealt with it immediately and published corrections the next day. So there, there's no reason for no reason for lawyers.
0: I, I've asked you this before, and we we get the the lens of of the rearview mirror a lot, given we're 35, 36 months into this. Um, did you have a turn at a certain point in time? And did you have a sense that some of the things we're doing, uh, I'm all in on, and some of the things we're doing feel a little too much and for a little too long as well. How would you sort of map that road out for us?
1: Um, I think I saw pros and cons to what we were doing in the first wave. In the first wave, I was, I was uncomfortable, um, with the, with the lockdowns. Um, but I thought, well, you know, I, 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 truthfully, I didn't see some people, you know, some people even in my family taking COVID seriously enough. And and if a, if, a, if a two-week or one-month lockdown is what it's going to take for people to understand the severity of this disease, then so be it. Even if this particular maneuver doesn't work so well. Um, but then when we locked down the second time and the third time, and then when everyone was vaccinated, and we were still doing restaurant closures and school closures and. Um, vaccine passports that like we now have good science to show just did not work. I, um, uh, I, so, so I would say with within three months into the pandemic, I was like, guys, we got to we got to have a think about what we're doing and whether the science actually supports this.
0: It's an odd one. I, I do think the conversation has turned more. Let's say we're we're 36 months and we divide it into two 18 month segments. I think people are more concerned, um, Dr. Strauss, with overreach and not letting people act and think and be independent in the last 18 months than the first 18 months. Do I have have that right?
1: Yeah, I I think that's true about public opinion. I think that, um, you know, I maybe had turned earlier than public opinion. And frankly, I think that a lot of my colleagues had. And and I guess what this piece in the National Post is about is about the broader issue of, you know, folks a, a lot believe what they hear on the news, but well past the point where a, a, a lot of people in the medical profession were going, these things don't make sense. Um, press organs like the Toronto star continued to fearmonger and, and fan the flames of sensationalism. I, I presume for clicks. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what their um, motivation was, but I think now in retrospect, we can see that um, the medical community was concerned about a lot of this stuff uh, uh, quite some time ago.
0: I do wonder about that. And I I didn't like I don't like the concept of an era where somebody with a medical license is afraid to afraid to speak out. They might be wrong. They might get it wrong. But I think when you limit anybody from like speaking and giving a medical opinion, you then make it harder for both sides to then walk something back and admit what they, what they might got, what they might've got wrong. And someone could, if I had a knee problem, someone might say, you need to rehab it. Another doctor might say, you need to have surgery and neither is wrong at the heart of the issue. They just have different opinions about how to get me better.
1: Yeah. I think uh, another thing that happened was there was this, um, you know, the the term misinformation was not um, so commonly used, Two years ago, um, and and it it is a problem that there like frankly there are some folks who are quacks who said very bizarre things about COVID and and what to do about it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then and but then it seemed that anyone who had a less popular opinion, even if it was science based, somehow got um, uh, thrown together with with those who are really saying wild and crazy things. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's a a reason to see our way through that, except for to let everyone speak and to to balance what everyone has to say and the evidence they bring to the table.
0: With your work in Haldeman Norfolk, what what, give us data points where you're like, we did the best we could here. I'm proud of this particular accomplishment numbers wise. And, And as well, maybe something you're like, I wish more people had done this or I wish this had gone better. Do you have one of each?
1: Sure. So um, as soon as I showed up in Haldeman, Norfolk, my overwhelming concern was to um, convince rather than coerce as many uh, high risk individuals to get vaccinated. So high risk means in general, people who are over 50 or people who have a significant medical problem, including most obviously immunosuppression. So the vaccine mandates had just come down. um, But the vaccine mandates, we now have good science to show, did not increase vaccine uptake very much in those high-risk individuals. So the thing that I'm most proud of is I told the newspapers, hey, if you're concerned about vaccination and you don't have a physician you feel like you can trust, you can call me. Like, call my office. I will call you back, and I will discuss um, why I think you should get vaccinated. And we got the vaccination rate up um, the sort of two to three months after I arrived. So I'm very, very proud of that. Um, Some of the things we did not do – we did not extend vaccine mandates into other settings where the province hadn't. We did not extend mass mandates into other settings where the province hadn't. Um, I didn't close uh, any, or I didn't put any capacity restrictions on restaurants. These sorts of things. Um, another moment that was very proud was um, like Haldimand Norfolk is a, is a rural community, and when this Paxlovid medication came out, which I think has its place, uh, particularly yeah. for high risk individuals. Um, I I spoke with the MPP uh, for our area. Um, he. Handed a letter to the minister of the health asking uh, her to make it available for in our community because folks were having to drive an, an hour and a half one way to go get it. Um, and 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 to their credit, um, the, the minister did make it available about a week later. I don't know if it was all in the strength of my letter, but that was a that was a very proud moment as well.
0: It's an odd one too because I think about health, and I, I hope most of us have realized it's so nuanced. There's no singular human biology. You could have two people. They could even they could be of all the same characteristics, same age, and they could live the exact same life with their diet, with drinking, with fitness, and and I just think we we need and they could have completely different outcomes for decades on end. Like I I looked early on Dr. Strauss and I thought one size fits all health care doesn't make sense. There's no way my elderly parents need as much protection from this as my teenage sons do, and I I I remember thinking that. Very early on, and I I think this is really borne out to be true. We've done such a terrible job telling the most vulnerable, "You're the most vulnerable." Do I have that right?
1: Absolutely, a hundred percent. So not only did was that to the detriment of the vulnerable, who didn't who sometimes didn't understand like like COVID was wicked deadly if you're over eighty. Yeah. Um. Uh. But it was it was also of such detriment to children. Like canceling hockey for two years did not help the vulnerable elderly. Um, And it it really did a number on kids. I I don't know that we I don't know that we've seen the last of the psychological damage um, that we did to a generation of young people by closing their schools and closing their sports and 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 terrifying them uh, for the last couple of years.
0: I only got a minute, but I hope we can have a longer chat. Give me layout if you, can in 45, 50 seconds, your thought on the move from from Premier Ford and, and the Minister of Health, Sylvia Jones. To utilize some surgery backlogs at at more private clinics. What's your read on it? I think it's it's
1: obvious. It's a it's a slam dunk. Um, I, I I think that there's a reason um, there's a reason communism fails. You need to have some <laughs> private sector involvement in order to have price signaling, um, and that's what the free market does. So you can you can you can. Give folks health insurance and and you and you you ought to i'm I'm happy that we're able to do that in canada, but you you need to have some amount of price signaling and when the hospital system mm-hmm. is failing, which it like it, it is it just it, it undeniably is failing so badly that you need other organizations to have at least the ability to to get involved, so I'm very glad for that announcement.
0: I think we need to do a 90 minute TED talk on all the other reasons communism failed. Um, but, <laughs> but people like McDonald's and blue jeans uh, and rock and roll. Also, there is there is that there is that to consider. Um, I got to leave it there. Thank you so much for the time today, and we'll chat again. I really appreciate you, you uh, spending some time with our audience.
1: Thanks for having me, Secret.
0: There's Dr. Matt Strauss uh, joining us on Toronto today.